Hi, my name is Ignacio Contreras. I deeply believe that 5G is a superb and positive force to help transform the world. Hi, my name is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the weekly podcast where we talk with a wide variety of industry experts to answer this important question. But before we talk 5G, Ignacio, I like to use the podcast to get to know our guests a little bit better, and we do that through a recurring segment where I pose three questions from the Prowse questionnaire. So are you ready for those? Absolutely. Happy to do so, Sean. All right. Question number one, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Um, I don't think that a perfect happiness exists. I think that we as humans has that uh, always the desire to move forward to do something different. So even if you reach a state in which you think it's perfect happiness, then you will want something more. Uh, it's a kind of a constant curiosity and willingness to do things. That's a good thing for Adweek because keep us moving overall. And also there's a bad side of that because it can turn into greed or something disappointment that you're never happy. But to me, it's about the journey. It's like the climbing the mountain, right? Uh, you have some moments of pain, some moments of joy, you go through that. But you, when you reach the end, right, and you are at the top of the mountain, then you can feel good about yourself overall and what you have done and accomplished. So that to me is that, is the journey and hopefully at some point reach a place that I feel good about what I have built and what I have been making with my life. Question number two, what is your motto? My motto is do the right thing. Uh, in fact, I got that from uh, my first job, uh, what I had years and years ago at Procter & Gamble, which was kind of the motto of the company of one of those. And what I like about that do the right thing is that it makes decisions very, very easy, right? When you're going through a situation in which you think you have a hard decision to make, <clears throat> then you just okay, ask yourself, what's the right thing to do? And very easily the answers kind of uh, pop up in your mind. So sometimes it might be hard things to do, uh, sometimes easy things to do. Like if you're kind of a, you're working on a team and everyone is doing their job excellently, maybe the best thing to do, the right thing to do, is just to take some rest, right? Or let people work in overall. So that's what I like. It's not about hard things to do, easy things to do. It's about the right thing to do and it helps a lot. Uh, getting the right answer when you are uh, kind of uh, with challenging uh, questions in your mind or decisions to make. Final question, Ignacio. Which living person do you most admire? Hmm. I, I don't think there's one single person that uh, I admire. I admire things and, and behaviors from certain people. Uh, what I like a lot, I've discovered, is the ability of some people to uh, motivate others to do uh, and motivate ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Uh, I usually look like people close to me because you can learn more from them versus just kind of outliers or people that's famous overall. I look, for example, I my father-in-law who built a nonprofit school there in Chile, uh, south of Santiago, the main city there. Uh, she built a nonprofit school for disadvantaged kids. Uh, kids like Down syndrome, for example, uh, elderly as well. And when you look at that, it's just a, a collection of regular people, right? Uh, very capable, but very regular people that you can meet anywhere. But how he has motivated them to do something good and go do the extra effort for that and build a, now a large foundation that uh, does a lot of good there, I admire that a lot. 
Uh, another example that may be closer to you, uh, for instance, Durga Maladi on the, on the 5G group uh, here at Qualcomm. Uh, working with him to me is like probably what it was working with Erwin Jacobs or Andrew Viterbi on the early days of Qualcomm. It's just leading by brilliance. It's a well of knowledge and information and capability. And it's not just classic semiconductor style that you lead like telling orders and very military and just telling people what to do. It's just ability just to paint a good picture of what things need to be done, what's the future, and just motivating people, I'll say, helicopter style. So you can be very high level and look at things with a longer term view, but when necessary, you can just go down very, very deep on any topic and just resolve a very technical questions or challenge overall. So that's what I admire a lot. I believe to lead by brilliance, uh, by vision, but also by the specifics. And I will just to uh, communicate broadly and motivate people, the inner uh, good of people to do things rather than by fear or uh, sticks overall. So Ignacio, you and I discuss a lot of different aspects of 5G semi-regularly. Um, so your answer to the question, will 5G change the world? That did not come as a surprise to me, but I think a lot of the conversations that we've had on this podcast have been very long-term, very big picture and kind of looked at the impact of 5G across industries and what does that mean for productivity and the economy long, long-term. What I'm kind of interested to talk to you about is a little more short-term 5G trends, particularly in the consumer space, because today that's where a lot of the action is. So, you know, right now we have a good idea of where operators are going to spend their money in 2020. We have a good look at the pipeline of compatible devices coming down the line. I guess maybe there's a variable around overall consumer spending post COVID that could come into play here. But I guess maybe we just take that out of the picture right now because it's speculation. I'm just curious what you're expecting in 2020 in terms of consumers buying these devices, using these networks, what kind of experiences will they gravitate towards where they'll really see a difference when they're on that 5G network? Yeah. Um, I see various areas that I think show promise in terms of how a users might be able to use uh, and take advantage of 5G networks. At the end, 5G, it's faster, more reliable, more capable connectivity. But what you do with that, it's the most interesting thing overall. Uh, short term, I think it's just the, the things that we do every day with our phones or devices just turn to be better. Uh, I think there are three areas in which uh, shows a lot of promise on 5G. One, it's everything video, for instance. Uh, video looks better because you don't have to buffer a lot or because it quickly goes through a high resolution mode. Uh, or you can enjoy video in crowded places because there's more capacity in the network. And uh, nowadays, more important than ever, for instance, video conferences, right? When you have multiple people sending back and forth video feeds, which is now a new way in which video will probably grow uh, past the situation that we're living today. Uh, those experiences just turn to be better. Even just kind of downloading your movies, right? And just doing that in a few seconds or a few minutes, random hours. I think that that will be, uh, even for me, right? I have seen that I have a 5G phone with a 5G network at the, at the office there. And it's, uh, it's rewarding, right? That you can just download um, a, a full movie or a full series in just a few seconds. So it's a better video experience overall. People will enjoy that on different ways. 
but I think that better video experience is one thing that uh, we will see very quickly with uh, 5G overall. Other things is about gaming as well. Um, there's a gaming industry in terms of, uh, as a part of entertainment, is growing significantly and is growing on mobile. And I don't think there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of coincidence that you're seeing, for instance, right at this time, the rise of a number of cloud gaming platforms, uh, such as Google Stadia, Microsoft X Cloud. Uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now and, and others that might be coming here in China and elsewhere in the world. Um, that does kind of a gaming experience and now it uh, depends on connectivity uh, more than the on-device gaming. And, and at a point that we're reaching uh, better connectivity and we're transitioning on a better platform with 5G, I think that we'll see the rise of uh, new ways and better ways of, to do gaming. Uh, even on my end, I, I had a game, right, very new game uh, that I was testing on my phone that just to get the game started, you need to download a 1.5 gigabyte, fi gigabyte file and then to start the game, the game needs to download about 5 gigabytes uh, just to, uh, for the initial setup. That's a very different experience, right, if you're running that on 4G versus you're running that on 5G. And the last thing I think it's uh, when AR, uh, as we go into standalone networks and need to uh, uh, kind of uh, use not just the throughput, but also the lower latency and reliability of 5G networks. Uh, things like AR navigation, like AR search, for example. I, I think that industry is going through, there's something on AR, on VR overall. And what's exactly, we don't know, right? Um, I don't think that we have discovered yet what's the killer consumer application for 5G. Lots of speculation, but most of the time, on these G transitions were wrong, right? And things pop up from human creativity that we have not anticipated before. But those are the three areas where at least I see from personal experience, from discussion with other in the industry, three areas in which uh, 5G can make a meaningful uh, improvement and difference overall. Everything video, from video conferencing to uh, video enjoyment and movies and TV series to gaming, overall and as well as anything that's VR and AR. I think there's a lot of promise on those areas. All right, so I mentioned that we're kind of in the early days of consumer adoption of 5G and we do have a look at operator strategies going forward, but maybe just to take stock of where we started in the US uh, Q4 2018 with uh, Verizon fixed wireless, but uh, some operators started with millimeter wave. Uh, you saw Sprint go to market with mid-band. Then you saw Timo use their 600 megahertz for wide area coverage. And then, you know, when you listen to the quarterly calls and see these executives speak at uh, conferences, you know, those that are using millimeter wave, they'll tell you that 5G is about a differentiated experience. You gotta be showing more than a gigabit per second to the handset to create a, you know, a clear concept of value. Then if you've got a bunch of low band spectrum that you're using, you talk about coverage, you talk about availability, you talk about incremental gain compared to LTE, and then you ding millimeter wave for not propagating very well. So I'm just kind of curious, given what we know about dynamic spectrum sharing and some of these other technologies that we'll see deployed at scale this year, uh, do those talking points, do they kind of lose validity as we go on and see 5G get closer to what the vision is of, of all bands of low, mid, and high all filling their own niche? 
Uh, yes, Sean, I think so. I think that that discussion between uh, which bands are real 5G or better for 5G, it's just part of the tra transient as we just get started with 5G on the early days. And you, you mentioned this, uh, operators start from different perspectives depending on the assets or the different strategies, some of them with high bands, others mid, other low bands. But I think that in the large context of things, that will be a short-lived discussion. Uh, 5G was designed with all those bands in mind and, and not uh, with one particular path starting with the low, the mid or the high bands. And, and very soon, you will see these very same operators just using all kinds of a spectrum. They will be using millimeter wave. In the US, we just finished a very successful uh, auction right, of new millimeter wave spectrum assets in which all major operators got a millimeter wave spectrum. They all, of course, have low bands uh, from uh, LTE that they can use with the DSS to transition some of them to, um, to 5G. And some will see even just auctions and, and, and again, the use of the more broad use of mid bands as well. At the end, 5G is all, it's just one platform. And soon we'll see uh, operators using low, mid, and high bands. They need all of them because they need the performance and the capacity of the millimeter wave bands. They need the coverage of the uh, low and mid bands. So, very, very soon, uh, you see, I'll say probably in. 12 months or so, 2021, I'll say, that will be no longer a point of strong discussion in the industry. To me, it reminds me on LTE TDD versus FDD, right? And there were some strong debates, maybe about, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago, about uh, what, which one was better, FDD, it's a more reliable maybe, TDD more flexible in terms of the use of the spectrum because you can adjust the uplink, downlink ratio. And at the end today, nobody talks about FD and TDD debate, right? We just use it and it's, it's all LTE, it's all 4G, and we, use, we combine them, we use them together, operators use one or the other, but it's not a point of discussion. I think it will be the same, uh, perhaps starting in 2021, if not earlier, about 5G, just operators will use all these spectrum assets and there will be not much discussion. It's just one 5G and we need 5G with all bands to have both the coverage and the capacity that we need to satisfy what the CTO of uh, that you introduced that like you need basically to provide more data to a lot more people and uh, enable a whole set of new use cases. Well, I mentioned this off the, the top, Ignacio, that, that this show usually devolves into uh, broad scale speculation about what the world's gonna be like five years from now. So, I, I mean, it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't do at least a little bit of that. So what's kind of the big picture here as we move from this enhanced mobile broadband case geared towards consumers and then add capabilities with release 16 and release 17 to fully support massive IoT, mission critical IoT, security, reliability, latency profiles, network slicing, all of this. What's the big picture and what's, what's your view on how the totality of that big picture changes the world at, at a macro level? What does all of this mean for us? Yeah. Uh, the way I think about this, Sean, is that cellular mobile networks are the largest technology platform on earth. We have more cellular connections overall than people in this planet. Uh, it's massive scale. And with the transition to 5G, we are upgrading the whole platform to a new set of capabilities. 
We're upgrading, of course, in terms of performance with mobile broadband, in terms of reliability with URLC, in terms of support for IoT devices. Of course, you name it, it was designed for that. So to me, is the big picture is that 5G will spark human curiosity and our ability to drive solutions. The way I think about this is like electricity in the 20th century. Uh, when electricity started to be deployed on the early 20th century at scale, uh, yes, the use case was providing light to streets and houses, right? And people have thought, oh, but with gas, right? We have gas, we have candles, we can just solve the lighting problem. There's not much benefit on, on electricity. But then you start seeing human creativity uh, bringing electric engines, and then we see uh, TVs and fridges and semiconductors and now computers and now phones is a whole new platform for innovation of things that of course you were there uh, sitting right next to edison or tesla and looking at the early experiments or deployments of electricity nobody can envision that is you just know it will be a platform for innovation but you don't know how i think about 5g in those terms is that we are upgrading the largest platform on earth for communications for people to connect with each other, for, uh, again, exchange information overall. And we need to be humble enough to uh, understand that we will not know how this will transform the world exactly, but we need to be smart enough to understand that such an grip of the whole platform at that scale will uh, definitely spark uh, a new uh, area of new uh, round of innovation on things that we are not even think about. And today we see that more than ever. Today, in these days with the COVID-19 situation worldwide, we appreciate the most the value of connectivity, the value of able to uh, continue working for those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to do that uh, remotely, uh, to connect with our families, to connect with our colleagues, uh, Zoom calls everywhere. Um, uh, it's, uh, I think it makes us realize how important is connectivity to, uh, on our everyday life. And if you upgrade connectivity to a new level uh, with new capabilities, um, we will be able to do things that we cannot even just imagine today. That's how I think about that. So five years from now, 10 years from now, uh, I just think I'm humble enough to say that I don't know how it look like, but it will be very different. And I hopefully I'm smart enough to understand that, but with a new set of tools and capabilities, uh, humankind will be able to do uh, very novel things. Ignacio, your, your answer there was, was very similar to your first response to the Proust question. What is your idea of perfect happiness where you are able to be in an environment and have the tools to perpetually innovate, sort of like a, a repeating decimal, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but you can keep getting closer. Probably it's the way I face things, it's just a constant journey. When, for example, when I ask many times, oh, when 5G will be ready, right? When will we have the uh, coverage or the capacity or the speeds that we need everywhere? And my answer for that is that this is like, Walt Disney said about uh, Disneyland, it will never be complete, at least for the foreseeable future. 
And those of us who are like uh, within the industry, we know that yes, it's coming release 16 with new features and it will come release 17 and new things will be added for many and many years to come in a way that yes, 5G will never be complete. Just like 4G that you have today in your uh, pocket or in your bag, in your phone there, uh, it's very different from the 5G that launched uh, around uh, 2010. Uh, in terms of capabilities, but yes, you you turn on a phone, LTE phone from 2010, and today it will connect to the network. It's still backward compatible, but in terms of the capabilities, it's very different. It's uh, much more powerful and capable the LTE that we have today. It's the same thing with 5G. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future, it will not be complete. We will keep adding things, we'll keep adding capabilities, and we'll see people doing more things with technology. Uh, again, we should not think about when it will be ready. Uh, we should think just kind of a, a platform that keeps coming upgraded and keep uh, delivering new value uh, from some time to time. Ignacio, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective and to answer the question, will 5G change the world? Likewise, Sean. Always a pleasure talking to you and hopefully seeing you and giving you a good hug uh, sooner rather than later. Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kennedy. Thanks for listening.